the war early on did have broad bipartisan support, and, and much of it did hinge on this notion of American exceptionalism, this idea that we are forever and, and always a indispensable and invincible force for good in the world, that we're always the good guys in history, we're always on the side of freedom and democracy. And so I don't think you can understand how fully the Vietnam War shattered that faith, and that's one of the big arguments of the book, is that it did. You can't really understand that without understanding how broad the faith was prior to that, because it did take time for the faith to unravel. But in the face of these obvious contradictions to the official claims about the war, Americans truly did lose their confidence in the government and this sort of faith that we were the good guys. The Vietnam War may have been a time that really placed us away from thinking that a just war was possible, but don't you think most people recognize that we're in wars for complicated reasons and that we're not always going to win? I do. I, th I think one of the legacies of Vietnam was to produce a public that was much more skeptical and willing to entertain the possibility that there were all kinds of economic interest and in, in others that motivated American policy. But still, leadership has been not nearly so frank and continues to talk about our role in the world as, as one of bringing at least stability and even beyond that, greater freedom and democracy. So I think in general, the public is much more critical and much less hawkish than our leadership. But unfortunately, there's also in part a legacy of Vietnam is this growing cynicism about the ability of the public to do anything about it. This feeling that the military industrial complex or whatever you want to call it has taken on sort of a life of its own, impervious to dissent or change. During the Vietnam War with its draft, there was at least the concrete evidence that hit so many families. Then the draft ends, and now we have wars with many similarities, as you've pointed out. How much of a difference does it make that there isn't a draft? And how important is this civilian-soldier disconnect? It's very important. And it's true that at no time in our history do I think there's been a greater gulf between civilian life and military life. But is and that because we didn't have a draft? That's very much at the heart of it. I mean, we rely on a cohort smaller than 1% of the total population to serve in our name in these faraway places and to do multiple, multiple tours. And it is therefore possible for the great majority of American people, those who don't know someone deployed or, or active, to go about their lives as if it were peacetime and to have sort of no sense of national investment in these policies or any sacrifices in support of them. What do you think the relationship is between a public that is misguided by their politicians and still believes in the possibility of a just war and American exceptionalism, let's go before Vietnam and even up until mid-Vietnam, to a public like today? Well, that's complicated. I do think in the 60s that there was a powerful sense that ordinary people can make a change in history. And there were obvious examples of it right there in the civil rights movement and other social movements of the period. It's understandable that people had this feeling that maybe we can bring the war to an end. Now I think that, again, not just because there's not a draft, but that's a big part of it, but there is, again, this sort of cynicism that there's really nothing we can do. Even if we're fed up with war, there's a kind of throwing up of the hands and the conclusion that these powerful people are going to continue to make war, whatever we think. 